And we are live. Welcome back to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. As always, I am Michael Pagano. I am joined here with JD, all the way from South Africa, clocking in at 4 a.m., ready to work hard. And uh, welcome back, guys. As always, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button, hitting that like button. It actually helped that. Like people ask me, Mike, how can we support your ministry? Share, like, like it's free. Hit the like button, yeah. hit the subscribe button, and hit the share button. That's how you support the ministry because the goal of the ministry is to bring the gospel to people. And if you can share it, then you're helping us bring the gospel to people. So that's how you can help the ministry. As always, we're live on TikTok as well. If you want to be able to participate in the conversation, uh, comment, see the Bible on screen, see, see JD on screen, come over to YouTube and watch it over there. However, after the podcast is over here in two hours, I will have my after show, which I go over to TikTok and I engage with the TikTok audience that was patiently waiting. Uh, but for the people here watching on YouTube, what's going on for everybody listening after this on Spotify or coming back and watching the YouTube video, we love you guys as well. You might not be able to join us live, but you have lives, you have things that go on and we understand that that's why we publish this right away uh what's up jd what's up brother man what's up what's happening brother bear good to see you good to see you in the flesh this, this is always like like my favorite it's like we are physically sitting in a room like one day god willing one one day god willing we'll be able to able to what? do this podcast side by side so whether on we, earth or in the clouds you saying we can't have a amen. podcast in heaven the daily cloud <laughs> like just talking about today if y'all remember that jesus served that incredible meal we also saw the saints <laughs> playing pickup football and peter tackled john and said that's what you get for writing about me the way you wrote about me it was amazing <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i hope your eternity is incredible have an incredible eternity oh, catch you tomorrow <laughs> oh, I'm, dig I'm it. totally, bro. I'm rocking the podcast in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, <laughs> it has to happen. It has to oh happen. man, that's so cool. <laughs> that's legit. Welcome to everybody uh, in the chat. Good to see you. And as Mark said, just putting emphasis on that: like, share, subscribe. Uh, it's it's the biggest way to support. Um, again, we see so many things on on TikTok about you know the tithe and and giving and ultimately the best way you can give is by sharing the message with someone else that's the seed that keeps on giving it's the gospel you know it just keeps on giving and that is the power of god unto salvation and we know this so the biggest way you can support us this this ministry is by liking subscribing and sharing very keen to get into Matthew 6 tonight. We're going to, lots of meat, lots of meat. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through the entire Matthew 6, but we'll whatever. We're going to try. Yeah. We're going to try. God bless you all for being here. Always good to and, be here. Thanks for and having me And I do just want to uh, say, people ask, have been asking lately, why don't you guys ever ask for money? We do have donation links available. I don't want you to think that we don't. But the reason why we don't ask for money is because we trust the Lord. The people that want to give don't need to be asked to give. The people that don't want to give don't need to be asked to give. So the reason why you never hear JD and myself saying, guys, we need you to donate this, this, and that is because we trust the Lord. Um, the Lord the Lord works through his children and those people that feel the need to do so, they'll find the way to do so. But again, sharing and praying for the ministry and not just our ministry, the ministry of the kingdom. We are all on one ministry. Jesus did not die on the cross to be a part of our individual ministries. He died on the cross so we could be a part of his ministry. Um, but yeah, Matthew chapter six, last Monday or this Monday, whatever, um, we dove into Matthew chapter five, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. We did the Beatitudes. We, we talked about how Jesus sets up the plate to say, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then goes into talking about all these things that Moses said 
And then he proceeds to speak on how he delivers this message saying, but I say to you this, Moses said this, I say this. It actually is worded with, you have heard, but I say. Matthew chapter six gets much more interesting because this one, I believe, hits deep on some things that we can definitely see in our lives. I mean, Matthew five as well. I mean, the whole thing. We talked about this last week that, man, this this sermon, you could honestly spend epic amounts of sermons on it. You could do months yeah. on it, weeks on it. Sure. Just You could literally do an entire episode on just one of those little passages, right? But yeah. we're trying to yeah. shoot through it with you. Mm. Um, I guess I think that's the same thing I said on Discord. I said the exact same thing. There's like 500 sermons just in Matthew 5, and then another thousand sermons in Matthew 6, and then another 2,000 in Matthew 7. So ultimately, we know Matthew 7 because we've gone into that. The specific passage in Matthew 7 where everybody goes to to try and say that you can lose your salvation. I mean, so again, when we go through Matthew 7, it's going to be not just that, the judgment verse, too. Yeah. Like yeah, all of Matthew it. seven might be the misquoted chat, most misquoted chapter in the Bible. If you think about Amen. all the things in seven that people misunderstand and misuse, knowing them by their fruits, what people think that means. That's also in Matthew seven. Matthew seven has a lot of things that Christians will, I should, uh, <laughs> I'll do it when we get there. I'm gonna wait. I got something in the back of my head, but um, let's go ahead and pray before we dive in, because before we dive into the word of God, we always want to invite the Lord to be present with us. Although he needs no invitation, we open it up and say, Lord, that we welcome him to be here. So uh, if you're with Amen. us, go ahead and join us in prayer as we ask him. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. First and foremost, all glory to your name. Uh, you are the, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. None deserves glory besides you, and we just want to praise you and worship you. We ask you to be present with us today. Let your Holy Spirit move and allow the people listening to have discernment in case JD or myself misspeak and guide us so that your love and your grace and your mercy pour out from us in case people are watching that have questions. May they see your light tonight, not mine, not JD's, but your light and guide us in all of our conversations as we proclaim the name of Jesus, keeping us on that narrow path, focusing on the way. In Jesus' holy name, I pray these words. Amen. Amen. So, all right. Let's bring it up on screen. As always, for the new people here, we will be reading out of the ESV and the KJV. We like to put both on screen because these are two of the most popular translations. I'm an ESV guy. Uh Tombs Empty Bro here, a.k.a. JD, is a KJV guy. And this allows you to see the two different translations, what's being said in them, how it's being translated via Old English and current modern English, and just, yeah, allows us to really focus in on that. Amen. So, you want to start us off? Yeah, I can. I can. I absolutely can. Let's get it. Let's get it. Guys, if you've got your Bibles, follow along. Otherwise, follow too, on screen. It's too excited. Let us do this. Take heed that ye do not uh, uh, do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou dost alms. Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. I, you know, this is just those first three verses is something you're going to have to go back in the ESV and repeat them because a lot of okay. people. Yeah. Just, well, just, yeah, because I want to touch on this anyway. So, yeah, I'll read it in yeah. English. 
in the in the real English. <laughs> beware of us. Uh, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let's stop there because this is this is meaty right here. A lot of people, uh, we've mentioned this before, they want to read beliefs into the text. Pay attention to what's being said. He said, mm. in order to be seen by them, that's the, the intent of the heart. When you're doing these things because you want others to see it, you're seeking that as a reward, not for your heavenly father, but for yourself. So pay attention to that. A lot of people, they want to, if, if you do something in public, they'll be like, doesn't the Bible say don't pray in public, which we'll get to. And doesn't it say don't give and, and be all open about it? No, no, no. It says don't do it in order for others to see it, which that's why I have a big problem with people that record it and then put it online. Like, what, what yes. are you doing? What are you doing? Like, if it was anonymous, sure, I guess. But, bro, what are you doing? Um, mm. There is, they will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Why? Because you already are seeking your reward, as he's going to say. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Notice in the very first verse, it says that they're aiming for the, the to be pleased by others. And then he emphasizes that they get that praise. So he says they got their reward. That's what they were doing it for. Romans 4, the person who works for something, what he re receives is his wage. That's what they wanted. They got it. But when you give to the exactly. needy, do not left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, and I think this is a common understanding. We, we use this phrase a lot, actually. But it's not about uh, – I think Justin says this often on his live streams, and I appreciate that he does. When we go live, when we're out preaching the gospel, we always let you see that. But if things get personal, if you've ever been uh, – if you're like one of those people that watch our live streams a lot, you've seen us be like, hey, hey, this is private, and we'll put the phone away quickly. That guy that we cast that demon out of and and he went and, and started crying, once we realized that he needed some love, I'm like, here, take the phone. We don't need to show this. And then this over here, there's certain things – you don't need to show that. Showing how we spread the gospel, that's our goal. We want people to see how to spread the gospel. Don't take your phone out and don't you don't even have to tell people. Like if I got on my live stream every day and said, hey, today I did this, like what am I looking for? Am I looking for y'all to be like, Mike, you're such a great man of God. Mike, man, I'm so, you get him, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike. That's me seeking self-glory. Likewise, don't worry about and. The devil will try to convince you to boast in yourself. I had a friend of mine on TikTok. When someone challenged him, JD, he went and made a video about all the good things he's ever done. And I'm just sitting there like, no, he got, they got you, bro. They got you. Cause he's like, I did this. I did this. Man, who cares what they think? Atheists yeah. do that. They say, what good have you done, Christian? They want you to boast in yourself. Cause that's what atheists do. Trap. It's a trap from the devil, man. It's a trick. And this is why I always, I keep saying it, when helping the poor leave the camera at home, that's that's a fact. That's a fact. You leave it and at that's home. That's embarrassing, it's, too. Imagine yeah. being on your bottom, dirty, nasty, all messed up, and a dude rolls yeah. up with a camera in your face, but you're so hungry, you're not going to tell him to leave because you see the sandwich in his other hand. Yeah. That's exactly what they do, though. It's, it's so manipulative. It's, uh, yeah, I don't dig it. It is a trap. <laughs> and then in verse four, he finishes it saying, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And again, it's all about that focus on, I'm not doing this for y'all. 
We're not doing it to be saved. We're not doing it for justification. We're doing it as children of God because that's our father in heaven. And he loves Amen. that person too. And, and they're made in his image as well. Verse yeah. five. You want that? You want it or you want me to get it? You want me to do it? Yeah, in here English? we go. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Mm -hmm. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I mean, ooh, I'm sorry, I'm seeing something for the first time. Go ahead. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to see. So the same. He, he uses the same thing about about. Where we go back to verse five. Yeah, this is this is what I love about the KJV. Will reward thee openly. So he says the same thing about about helping the poor. You know, when we do these things, when we pray for people, and again, this is not to say that you must stop praying for people in public. This this is to say those people that stand in public and pray loudly so that everybody can hear I'm praying, just so that everybody yeah. can see me praying. Um, this is this There's is about making prayer about. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's about back then, making the back then. I was Sorry, gonna say back then. <laughs> okay, you go. No, you go, man. <laughs> no, you go. No, you go. Now we sit here silently until who goes first. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I what all I was gonna say is um back then you have to understand they lived in a Jewish uh area. And he talks about being in the synagogue. So he's around, these are around other believers, right? So if you're out on the street evangelizing and, and sharing the word of God and praying in public, it's not this because you're not trying to be seen as holier. You're praying for people. You're loving people. You're sharing the word with people. This in today's modern culture would actually be comparable to how people act in the church. So you got people in the church that are doing like the like look at me and I'm doing all this crazy stuff. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And that's what this is really referring to. People yeah. try and hit me and Justin with that when we're out in the street praying for people. Matthew 6, you know, you shouldn't be praying in public. Like, bro, ain't nobody out here praying in public trying to uh, get looked at by him. Y'all hate us. What do you think we're trying to accomplish? This is talking yeah. about hypocrites who want to be seen as holy, want to be seen as righteous. They want people to be like, oh, look at them praying every day. Every day I see them praying and they're so good. It goes back to the same thing the previous part said about you're doing it with an intent. This is what Jesus points out through all the gospels. Where is yeah. your heart? Mark chapter seven. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. That's what we all need to be focusing on every day. Where's my heart at? Not where my mouth is at and my eyes are at. Yeah, and I mean, this just goes back to you. You see you see these churches, especially these mega churches where that's their focus. You can get 2,000 people praying together on a Sunday afternoon. But where are these 2,000 people praying for those who actually need the prayer on the streets? That's, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, we see these people walk past the poor and go, well, I'll pray for you. Why not pray now? Why not why not stop and pray for that person now? That's when they need the prayer. Um, and ultimately we've we've discussed this so many times. You know, when it comes down to saying you're gonna do something for someone, do it then and there. Don't yeah, I'll I'll get to it, like I'll get around to it. I'll, you know, and again, 
what is it was what are you doing it for are we doing everything we doing is for the glory of the kingdoms for the glory of jesus christ it's to magnify his name not our own name so this this passage just puts emphasis again on don't be like those who pray where the other religious people can see them praying and they can tap each other on the back and say hey you prayed so loud you prayed so well when your prayers are not even reaching heaven because they are just for yourself they're not for any other reason i like what jd said there maybe as a christian hear that and ask yourself that question you don't got to answer this but let me ask you what jd just said i'm going to phrase it in a question the last person you said i'll pray for you did you pray for them because in our country let's be very honest we have a habit of telling someone we'll pray for them and i'm gonna be i'm gonna share with y'all a little moment of transparency where i actually caught myself doing it today Oh, man, this pricked the heart, J.D. Did you say that on purpose to because something happened to me? So earlier <laughs> I went to the gas station and they always got these people out front that, uh, you know, are like trying to do missionary work for children in other countries, get donations and whatnot. And uh, he saw my cross as I got out the car and he said, is that a fashion thing or, or is that what you believe that? And I said, I'm a follower of the way. Um, and he, we talked and he gave me his name. And, he, and when I told him, I'm not, I can't, I'm not interested in that. I've got my own allocations for things that I got set up, but God bless you. I hope you guys do, you know, great things. He said, Hey, well, I do ask you this. Uh, you've got my name. Keep me in your prayers. And I said, of course. And he said, no, no, no I mean like my name on your prayer list. And I said, of course. Um, and then he said, what do you need prayers for? And then, so I left and I'm in the car, like, I'm going to forget to pray for him. You know what, Lord? I need to pray for him because I told him I will. I should have prayed yeah. for him right there. I felt convicted. I should have said, you know what? Can I pray for you right now? But I didn't. I was in a rush. I'm on the way to go places. And this person asked me for prayers. And I felt convicted. I said, next time, Lord, I have to make sure that I stop and just, you know what? I could be five minutes late. I can, I can, I can be behind schedule a little bit. This man asked for prayers. So I prayed for him in the car and whatnot. But that's the point is we do this often. I bet we do it in the, I see it in my comment section. Can I have prayers? And people are like, I got you, I got you. But are you praying for that person? Yeah. And that's not yeah. talking down to you. I'm just as guilty. We need to actually do what we say we're doing. Because imagine all the people that prayed for you that got you where you are today. Thank you, God, for those people that prayed for us. Just as Paul yeah. in, the, in the letter to the Corinthians, I believe it was, or Colossians, where he says, I pray that you grow in this knowledge, that you grow in knowledge of God. Thank God Paul prayed for them. But who prayed for you? And who are you praying for? So it's a big circle. Amen. Absolutely. And and that's just, uh, like you say, it's a heart pricker because people don't realize when we start focusing on sin, that that in itself is a sin. If you want to start cherry picking sin and nitpicking sin, telling someone you'll pray for them and not praying for them is a sin. It's it's it's, it's a sin. You lied. You, you lied for one. Uh, you said you'd pray and you didn't. So you lied. And then... <laughs> You're not praying for them. You know, they 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 trust in God that there's all these people praying for me and you're one of those who said you would and you're not. So, again, praying for someone is is something we should take serious, especially if we've said, I'll pray for you. Like yeah. now when I get message requests, can you pray for me about X, Y and Z? I stop there and then and pray because I don't want to forget. And And this is the habit we get into. Yes, I'll pray for you. And then we tell ourselves, I'll do it later. I'll do it later when i'm praying i'll do it later but nothing stops us today where you are in your car at your desk wherever it is in your lounge pray you can take five minutes to just lift up your hands and say lord you know exactly you I know mean, exactly we all walk around with cell phones you can open up a yeah. note 
and create what's known as a prayer list and add names. And when someone like, I don't know, comes across your path and says, hey, can you keep me in your prayers? Add their name to it. And every night, open that list up. Speak, pray for those people. I have a little prayer list um, that keeps growing. <laughs> that keeps keeps growing lo long, but um, it's something we have. But you have to remember to go to it. Don't just put names in there and think because they're written in there that that's the prayer. That's not how that, that that's not that's not how it works, guys. We have yes. to actively do it. And speaking of Amen. prayer, Jesus said, "And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard." For their many words. Now you hear a lot of people ask about this. I actually like the KJV on this one on vain repetitions, right? So what is a vain repetition? Vain means shallow. Vain is empty or shallow, right? So a belief that is vain means I don't really hold that belief. Words Unreal. that are vain are words that you don't believe, right? Like let's say, for example, I told my wife I love her every day, but then I'm cheating on her every night. Those are vain words. I, they don't hold any truth in my life. So vain repetitions is just saying words over and over again, thinking God will answer them, but you don't actually believe those words. So you could do this too as a Christian. Don't let people fool you that this was a certain type of prayer. If you every night do, now I lay my down to sleep, I pray to the Lord, my soul to keep, and it just becomes a routine, you are just repeating vain prayers. In fact, we do this a lot in this country at dinner time. I know someone here going to feel me on this one. We say the same prayer over and over again when we eat sometimes just because we feel the, the traditional sense that we have to pray before we eat. But how many times do you actually sit there before your food and think, Lord, thank you that I have this right now, that I'm capable of having this food right now. When there are people today starving and don't know where their next meal is coming from, thank you, Father. And it's hard in our country because we live in the land of abundance and we're so used to providing our own shelter, our own food, but don't let your prayers become vain that you're just doing traditionally, ritualistically, and you're doing it from a deep place in your heart that actually means something to you. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And then we get the Our Father, which is my favorite prayer to ever be spoken because it comes from Jesus's lips. Um, and it's yeah. perfect. And the structure of it is amazing. So um, he says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I love that he says that right before the Our Father, because if you pay attention to the Our Father, nothing in here is asking for anything other than forgiveness and, and, and his love and his protection. That's what it is. He doesn't yeah. say, give us that job, give us this money, give us this, that. Uh, those aren't things that we should be asking for. And, and I know people don't like to hear that because we've been trained to ask for certain things. Pray that his will be done. So I don't Amen. really want to, when I read it, I actually mess it up more. So he says, so when you pray, pray like this, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and in the KJV, it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, so I'll, I'll add that. Yeah, that's the end of it. Let me stop there. But let's look at that prayer real quick, because if you ever asked yourself, I struggle with prayer. I don't know how to pray. Look at this structure that he gives us. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Starts off by glorifying God. Just our father, hallowed be your name. How holy is your name? How amazing Amen. are you? You are the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So again, it's focusing on the, 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 our father's 
will, not ours, not what I need. How many of you start your prayers with, Lord, I, Lord, I need something, Lord. Today, I need yeah. something. Like when you wake up, is your prayer, Lord, thank man, I need something today. I need, I need strength today. I need X, Y, and Z today. Or are you starting your prayer with glory be to your name, Lord? Like you are amazing, Lord. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our, I, I grew up with the transgressions thing. Forgive us our transgressions, um, not debts. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't like the word debts. It just feels weird. Uh, transgressions too. <laughs> um, forgive us Definitely. our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us. Uh, it's the same meaning here. And then it says, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So again, none of this prayer is about individual items, individual needs, individual requests. And notice Jesus is saying us throughout the entire prayer. I recently just noticed that, J.D., I've been reading this prayer my whole life, and yet I never realized how it's selfless. It's not even mm. I. It's about us, the body of Christ, the, the brothers and sisters. Forgive us. Give us. Help us. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll let you continue in the KJ Vizzle. Well, we also, uh, just, just, just to end on, on what you've just said, we, the forgive us our debts, forgive us our transgressions. And so, so many times, so often through life, we go through days where we unintentionally offend someone. We unintentionally say something or we, or we snap or we might lose our temper for a moment, whatever the case may be. We, this is, this is what we see. So in, in, in teaching our kids, the moment we are teaching our kids, the Lord's prayer for, for this purpose is that you don't know who you've hurt today. You don't always know if you've if you've said something to someone um, and you've offended them or you've hurt them unintentionally. But that could that could spark something in them which could lead them down the wrong path. So ultimately praying to, you know, ask God that he forgives us as he forgives them and vice versa. This is this is the biggest thing is that when we pray this way, we see freedom. We see freedom. We see release because the the biggest thing is, is we as human beings like to hold on to things we don't even know we are holding on to. For if you yeah. forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their tre trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of of, of a sad countenance. So we've seen this, people walking around, oh, I'm fasting, oh, day three of my fast, oh, moaning and complaining about why, then why are you even fasting to begin with? For, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men too fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So again, this is this is generally when, when, when I first went through this, I stopped telling people when I fast. If I've fasted, I've fasted. If I, you know, it's most of the time people don't even know I'm fasting unless they've asked, when last did you do a fast? And I'll be like, oh, I did a fast a month ago for three days. So this is ultimately what we're saying. The same thing with prayer, the same thing with giving, the same thing with fasting. This is, this is sacrifice to God. This is making your prayers known to God, your, your generous heart made known to God. We don't have to advertise that to men. It's not something for people to see. Oh, look at that. And this is this is generally when when we look at Muslims during the month of Ramadan and they're all so, oh, it's the month of fasting. And they they so, you know, oh, they see food and on the other side of the planet. They're like, oh, can you put that food away? I'm fasting. 
like like they're so vocal about their fast like and they also point out how we aren't as obedient as them because again it's about look at me and my obedience look at me and what i'm doing and it's because people want that reward now um on on who they are and what they do and and i was going to add that you know sort of with the fasting and, and what you said before that um let me actually let me scroll up for a second Oh yeah, now I remember what I was going to say, but you kept going. But so when JD was talking about the forgiveness and how you don't know who you wronged that day, people always ask me because you know one of the things that I share often is that we use the word repent completely wrong. Like you don't repent daily. I hope you don't repent daily because if you're repenting daily, we got to talk about some things about your life because I don't think you understand that. And whenever I say that, people think I'm telling others you don't have to ask for forgiveness. No, I'm saying that that's not what repent means. As Jesus shows us, every time we pray, we should say, Lord, forgive us. Not because we need uh, uh, to, if we don't do it, we're not forgiven. Because you're going to die with sins that you didn't ask for forgiveness about. Unless you're praying every 12 minutes, uh, you're going to die with some prayers that, that you need forgiveness on. The point is that you always need forgiveness, so you always should be asking the fa your father for forgiveness. That's not the same thing as repenting. You do ask for forgiveness every day. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I am nothing without you. But um, Amen. go back down to the fasting. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And again, I find it interesting that this is right before Matthew 7. And in Matthew 7, he's going to talk about someone who comes up and says, look what I've done, Lord. I've done it in your name, Lord. Right before he gets there, what's he doing? He's showing all these people that do things in for their own, for, for other people's glory. See, this is why reading in context is so important. People go to Matthew 7, 21, like, well, look, see, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and, and I'll say, depart from me, workers of lawlessness, uh, I never knew you. See, if you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Well, wait a minute. What's the context? Did you not notice that in the chapter prior, he's talking about these certain people that do things for others to see, and they're so worried about how they're seen, and they're like, and they come up to him now, and they're like, Lord, Lord, I have done this. I have done this. But we'll get there. I just wanted to put that in your head now so that you're seeing like, okay, this all does flow together as a sermon. Yeah. Amen. Where is it? <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite parts of Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will, will be also. And then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light is in you, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And, and mm. people have asked me before, what, what does this kind of mean? In those days, you used a lamp to guide your way, right? They didn't have street lights, They didn't have electricity. A lamp guided your way. And you would use that lamp to identify what you're looking for and go towards it in the darkness. So your eye being the lantern to your body, the lamp to your body means what you set your eye on is where your body is, where you're headed to, what you're focused on. When you set your eyes on money, that means your heart's goal is money. When you set your eyes on earthly things, your heart's goal is earthly things. But if you set your eye on the Lord, set your eye on heavenly riches. What are heavenly riches? Serving Jesus, his knowledge, like 
Heavenly riches are the knowledge of God and the revelation of God and Jesus himself. It says that in him is the treasures of heaven. Like having more of Jesus is what your treasures are because no one can end that. Amen, man. Amen. Absolutely. That's how I know JD has nothing to say. He starts making other voices and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he finishes it by saying, no one can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So notice he, he, he obviously closes this out by pointing out that you guys have your eyes on money, possessions, material objects. And when he says you can't serve two masters, that's very true. At the end of the day, I don't know if you guys ever realized this, but what you put your focus on makes everything else not important to you. And therefore, like you only can have one thing that you're truly driving to. Now, there's things yeah. that can fall under that. I drive towards God. Therefore, family comes under that and relationships and love comes under that. But when you drive towards money, selfishness comes under that, um, um, you know, selfish ambition, jealousy, greed. These things come under that. Yeah. And this is where it gets, this is where my, this is where my favorite part kicks in. Matthew from 25. I mean, yes, yes, where you got to live. I mean, this is such a stern warning and, and someone, some, this you can go back to Matthew, Matthew six from 25 through to 44. I mean, this is pretty much just such good advice. Thank you, Lord Jesus for this. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on is not is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? So here he's saying very, very plainly, what can you do by worrying or stressing about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear, add an hour to your life? How are you going to add a minute to your life by sitting and worrying about what comes next? It's, it's such a humble rebuke to each and every single one of us daily that we get yeah. caught up. And, and it goes right back to what he said. You can only serve one. So if you're going to serve Jesus, serve Jesus. Follow Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Not Jesus and clothes. Not Jesus and things. Not Jesus and. Not Jesus and. It's This is what he's saying clearly to the yeah. believer here. You follow me. I'll take care of the rest. I Amen. will provide. I'm you follow me. We- I will provide. I'm glad that we brought this up because this is actually one that I see probably the hardest in our society right now. This generation growing up has the worst anxiety, the worst depression. And even with believers, the number one thing I get talked to about is fear. And they ask me like, Mike, how do you keep your faith strong in this, 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 and that? And I'm going to be honest with you. It's fully understanding what Jesus means here that has changed my life. And what I mean by that is listen clearly real quick. No matter what happens in my life, no matter what. If I'm in Christ, I end up with him. That's the end, no matter what, right? I've used movies as an example. When you watch a movie for the first time, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. But when you come back the second time, knowing the outcome, can you really be on the edge of your seat ever again, right? Like You know the outcome, unless I forget it, but I know what happens. There's no surprise at the end. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in Christ, the outcome is eternity with your king. Literally. Well, Mike, what if what if I can't pay my bills and my family starves? Then we starve, but we reign with our king eternally. Well, what if yeah. what if you die today? Then I reign with my king eternally. What if you get cancer? Then I reign with my king eternally. There's nothing, Man. nothing, guys. Listen to me. You want to conquer fear? Focus on the fact that it's over. This is this is temporary. Yeah. You're on a work trip, and one day he's gonna call you home. And when he calls you home, you're gone. I think that the fear comes from people that doubt that. And I'm not sitting there saying like, hey, you're not saved. If you doubt that, you might be young in Christ spiritually. As we talked about when we did uh, Corinthians, Paul addresses people that were of the faith as being in the flesh. I get it. But that's what people like myself or JD or Justin are, are here to do, to remind our little brothers and little sisters, if that's what you are, you have nothing to worry about, guys. Nothing. It's all him. You nothing. have Yes, you could fail in this life. And I'm not giving you permission to fail. Like, that's not what I'm doing because this can be twisted to like, well, I'm gonna just lay back and let God handle it. God also gave you purpose. Like you're supposed to try. The point is, no matter what, as long as you're trying, all works out. Like as long as you're walking forward. People are like, well, what about backsliders? You wanna know why someone's called a backslider? Because they're still facing in the direction of Jesus and they slid back. That doesn't mean you turned away. That just means you stumbled and you slid on back. It's not a turn around and walk away. It's a backslide. Guess what, guys? Mm. If you backslide, that means you're still facing forward. That's the literally like we break the turn down here. So no matter what, as long as you are walking towards him, your face is towards him. There's nothing that changes it. Like he says, look at the birds in the air. You are more precious than them. I promise you. Once Man, you I was, that, I was, gone. I was. I was I was like this when I was when I was younger and when I, I'm, I'm talking about my early teens, you know, I, I was I was going to the altar call every Sunday, man, because I was backsliding every week. So every Sunday when they're like, if you're ready to recommit your life to Christ, come on down and let us pray for you. So I'd want to I like I got a new little book every Sunday because I used to go back down and recommit my life every week because I kept backsliding. And And here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I was saying this. I was saying this to to my sisters uh, on Discord the other day. How many minutes a day are you meditating on heaven? How many minutes do you sit and just think about your life with Christ eternally? And how much time are you spending thinking about the problems, the bills, what you got to do, where you got to go, the groceries you got to pick up, the children you got to fetch from school? Way up the two. And see how much time you are spending thinking about heaven and how much time you are thinking about your life on earth. And the moment you start substituting the thinking about your life on earth for thinking and meditating on being in the presence of God, being with Jesus Christ eternally, sitting in his presence for all eternity. And again, this is where the misconception of eternal life comes in. Eternal life is not a continuation of the life you now live. No, it's a new life with Christ from start. Nothing of this life will ever matter. You're not going to be in God's presence and go, oh, I forgot to feed my dog Coco before I died. It's, it's That's not going to be the thought that comes to your mind. Your life is renewed in Christ. This is why Paul uses phrases like our identity is hidden in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I, even though I'm dead, my new life is hid with Christ Jesus. I am dead to the flesh. And I now live for Christ Jesus. I mean, Paul says it in Philippians 2. I'm betwixt two. I'm in two minds because 
I have a desire to depart this earth and be with Christ, which is better for me. But for you, my my, my sheep, my, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's better for you that I'm here because I'm edifying you. I'm exhorting you. I'm giving you the meat of scripture every day. But that's where he's at. And this is where the believer's mind must be at. Yes, it's always hidden in heavenly places with Christ. But our life that we now live on earth, we no longer live for ourselves. But we live for the one who died for us and became, became sin. So that we who are, who are nothing, our works and everything we do is nothing but filthy rags to the Lord. That we no longer henceforth. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5, that those who have died to Christ and crucified the flesh should no longer live for themselves, but live unto him who gave his life for them. And this is the bottom line. So every single time you start getting distracted, you start going on this path of thinking about yourself and thinking about your problems. Come back to this passage. Come back yeah. to this passage because there is nothing of the flesh that will bring you joy. Absolutely nothing. And I want to add, uh, this goes hand in hand with what I believe James writes in James uh, chapter three or four, when he talks about uh, who, why, when you worry about tomorrow, not only are you worrying, but you're also showing a little bit of arrogance because tomorrow's not even promised at the end of the day, like focus on today. And if the Lord yeah, will, yeah. we have tomorrow. And I, I want to tell you, I want to use an example from my life just to give you a practical understanding of how letting stress overtake you can actually affect what God might use you for. So again, remember earlier we talked about, we don't share things we do because you know, earlier Matthew six, sometimes there's a teachable lesson here. So that's the only reason why I'm bringing this up. Um, I used to go to this place called, called men of Nehemiah in, in Dallas uh, every Tuesday for worship. It's a place that takes guys out of jail and addiction and does a worship service for them. And one Tuesday I went to go there. It's like an hour and 20 minute drive during rush hour. And I got there and it wasn't, they, they weren't hosting it that day. So immediately I'm like, I just wasted an hour and 20 minutes. I got to drive back now. My day is ruined. And from that moment, I could have just had the worst attitude ever. And I was about to, but then I needed to get gas. And on the way back, I stopped at the gas station and I ran across a gentleman that needed prayer. He needed food. And we talked, I added his name to my prayer list. It's all kind of rolling around the topics we've discussed tonight, kind of ironically. And since that day, I, I, I was able to have a moment with him because I kept my eyes up. Now, if I would have been in my car, like this is some bull, man. Yeah, darn it, man. Why did I, this is stupid. I wasted this time and, mm, and I'm just angry and I'm getting my gas and I'm like, Ugh. and then I get in the car, just speed off. I don't have that moment there. Likewise, if you walk out, out your house tomorrow and your eyes are down because you're stressed out about something, that means your eyes aren't up capable of seeing someone who needs your love. Jesus says, I got you. Go love people because I got you. You could be selfless because I'm going to worry about yourself. That's what the awesome thing about selfless is. Selflessness is. In marriage, if I'm selfless, my wife worries about me. I worry about her. We're both covered. Likewise, with Christ, I worry about everyone like he tells me to, and he worries about us. Don't let your anxieties and your stressors and your depression cause you to keep your eyes on yourself when there's people around you that need the love of Christ. So I just wanted to share that story so that you guys can understand how this can affect you negatively when it comes to serving the kingdom, not just anxiety and depression but you miss somebody that needed that love today amen amen man
Absolutely. You can go ahead and continue if you would like, my South African friend. <laughs> and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which to the day is, and the morrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Ooh, man, and how, how so apt and appropriate today. To this day, we see the Gentiles seeking after these things. Hollywood, that's all. That's all you see. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. I mean, mm. I wanted to so look much. back at verse 30 where it says, Oh, ye of little faith. Notice, remember, guys, what we talked about, because, again, we forget this in modern-day Christianity. The word faith is trust. That's literally what it means. So he's saying, oh, you with little trust. Who, trust in who? Me the and my father. So the whole time he's telling you, hey, our father's got us. I got you. Why are you stressed? You with little trust. So that's what is being emphasized. And then he says that your father knows that you need. And then one of my favorite, I mean, I should have said this is my favorite verse from, from Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I, I, I just want to stop on this verse for a moment because there's churches today that want you to seek the all things. The Joe Osteens, the T.D. Jakes, and the the uh, that other guy that really is creepy, uh, uh, Kenneth Copeland's, and they want you to seek the all things. God's promised you financial blessings. God's promised you this. God's promised you this, 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 and that. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you to seek any of those things. He says, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. And if you think about it, just think for a second, there's actually a purpose behind this. If he was the gift, I want you all to think about how you were when you first came to Christ and maybe how you are today. If God gave you all things today, would you use it to fall further away from him and fall into sin? Or would you use it to glorify him? Tell you right now, mm -hmm. God would have gave me a million dollars when I first came to him. I would have been found somewhere high. I would have been lost in some drugs. I would have been selfishly looking at myself like, check me out. I'm balling. Like, I mean, for real, because that's where my mind would have been. Same thing James says. James kind of, now I'm thinking about it. James 3 really coincides with Matthew 6. He says that you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, because you want to spend it on your worldly passions. God yeah. knows what you need. Like Jesus says there, he's not going to give you something that will cause you to stumble. If you're not ready for it, how can you make sure you won't stumble? Seek first the kingdom of God and all righteousness. Once your mind is set on that, he can give you everything because you'll use it for the right reason. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, and again, we just see what which things will be added. Which things will be added? Your needs. Your needs. Again, people like to think that, oh, because I'm seeking God's thing, and I've seen the Kenneth Copelands and the Jesse Duplantis has used this verse by saying, if you tithe more, if you sow a bigger seed, like Joyce <laughs> Meyer once came out and said, that's your receipt. So if you've given a big seed, you keep your receipt, and on the day you need something, you go to God and you cash in your receipt and you say, now I need something. I was like, what? Where does it say that? And then they come to this, they come to this scripture. 
And that's not what he's talking about. Your daily needs will be provided, provided you are seeking first the kingdom of God. And this is the problem. Mr. People Madison, focus on the daily need more than the kingdom of God. Is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Sorry, I just had to. When you said that, did she really say keep your receipt? Yeah, she said keep uh, your receipt. And on the day you need something, and I'll actually look, share the video with you. It's ridiculous. I cannot stand prosperity preachers. I'm telling you right now. A uh, uh, little side note. I swear, every time I see Kenneth Copeland, I think he's straight up demonic. Like, dude's like, give me money. Like, it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, and he just starts stops in the middle of the sermon and oh, he has brain farts. And when you have a brain yeah. fart, what better thing to do than just roll into tongues? Like, just like, all right, guys, today we're we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, we, we should definitely do once we finish with these. We should do uh, you know reaction videos to Kenneth the the, the prosperity <laughs> gospel. Oh my gosh, that's torture, man. Don't, don't do yeah. that to me. I already have to respond to people on TikTok with terrible arguments. I so feel the people, I forget who it was recently that made a video saying that they go through TikTok videos looking for intelligent arguments to engage in so they can have a Christian and atheist conversation. And like, I can't find them. It's always like, your gun's stupid and your gun's dumb and you're so stupid and you're so dumb. Like earlier, a guy said to me that I'm dumb and all these things. And after I rebuked him, he then started to ask me questions. And I was like, nah, you don't get to do that. You started this with disrespect. We're not about to go. If you wanted to have a conversation, you could start that way. Don't start yeah. with you're stupid. And then when I make you feel stupid for what you said, be like, well, okay, let's, well, let's, let's have an actual conversation. No, I don't want to conversate with you. Like you've showed yourself the minute you walked into the room. Amen. Amen. It's a shame. It's the only way to deal with it. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but clowns. I mean, darkness and principalities. And then it ends with, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, real quick. I wish I could mark on the screen real quick. Let me see. So That's most cool. people, when they read Matthew 7, this is what they read. That. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you exactly how it's read by some people. That and put a little highlight there. So they start at verse one, judge not, and then they jump to verse five, you hypocrite. So that's how most Christians read Matthew 7. So we're going to read this the proper way, but I just want to let you know that most people read it exactly as I just read it. Judge not, you hypocrite. And I know you've all seen it. I know you've all seen it. People misuse Matthew 7 so much. And, and, and I know that you're going to probably say, well, isn't that what Jesus is saying, that not to judge? As a Christian, we have to be able to swallow certain things and answer certain things. If we are called not to judge, then we have to ask ourselves, why does Jesus say, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment in, in John chapter 7? Also, in 1 Corinthians, when it says the spiritual man judges all things and that we're called to judge the church. Matthew 7 is not about not judging. So now we're going to read it. Um, Looks like we are getting into Matthew 7. Look, look at that, J.D. We did it, even though he's going to get coffee or something. So it actually says, judge not that you be not judged, right? So he starts up with this judge not that you be not judged. What he's saying and what he's about to explain is that by the way that you judge is how you'll be judged. We see this in James chapter 1. We see this in Romans chapter 14. 
Yes, this is true. Christians should not be judging hypocritically. We should not be judging in a condescending way. It is how you judge. And again, Matthew chapter six showed you all it was about was the intent of the heart. Don't pray this way. Don't, don't do this this way. Likewise, Jesus didn't just decide, you know what, now I'm going to change the way I'm doing everything. No, he's doing it the same way still. Now he's going to talk yeah. to you about the intent of your heart when it comes to judgment. So he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Paul says the same thing in Romans 14. Blessed is the man who does not judge himself by what he approves. If that's, how it's, if that's easier for you to understand, think of it. Imagine being judged by what you approve. How can I give you an example of this? I'll show you. Matter of fact, I'll give you an example of hypocritical judgment. Um, this is an example, TikTok. I don't want somebody to think I'm racist. If I see a black person get out of a car wearing a fitted hat and like uh, 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 baggy clothes, and I immediately say, oh, he's a gangster or he's a thug, that is literal. That's the type of judgment you should not do. Judging by appearance, judging based on hate, judging based on race, judging based on how they dress, judging righteously is not the same thing. Judging righteously would be someone telling me, I've been doing these things, or this is the life that I'm living, or I catch you cheating on your wife, and I come to you, and I say, you cannot be doing this, my brother in Christ. You must repent. You must turn from these ways, right? That's not hypocritical judgment. However, there are people out there that if you do the second one, they'll, they'll call you on the th thinking it's the first one. Oh, you can't yeah. judge me. You can't judge me. Like, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. Judging you. Yeah. I literally had it on my live, not last night, the night before. Someone came into the chat and they were like, yo, look at those ears. You you lukewarm, my brew. You look. And I was like, you called you lukewarm because of your ears? Yeah. <laughs> this is my earrings. You got heretic ears, bro. So we've got like we've got like all sorts of bad judgment there, not understanding what Revelation three means uh, for one, and like your ears. So again, that's bad judgment. Again, we we look at, at and I'll bring it up again and again and again. Galatians six, where we see if we see someone overtaken by a fault or keep falling into the same pattern of sins, this is righteous judgment. When we bring them back and say, look here, look what Paul says to us in Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. These, this is the fruit of the spirit. So what, what that is, that is from the devil. Um, you know, it's not, it's absolutely not, it's got nothing to do with, with judging on what we see, but it's judging by what we know to be true. We judge by the spirit, not by what man judges, not by the standard of man, but by the Holy Spirit. This is righteous judgment. So check it out. If you pay attention here, uh, the word judge, it says whether in law court, or privately, sometimes with a cognate of nouns, um, and there are some Greek nouns there, and then it says emphasizing the notion of the verb decide or think. Um, so it's making a decision, right? Making a uh, or having a, a, a or having a decision about what you see this person doing. It's not. And here's another part about it. Actually, you know, a lot of times when people call Christians out on judging, what they're actually, what they're actually doing is calling someone out on an observation, like a judgment would be if I see a uh, uh, an apple and I, I look at the facts and I say, I bet it's rotten inside. I'm making a judgment. However, if the apple gets placed in front of me and it's clearly rotten, that's not a judgment anymore. Now it's an observation. I see it's rotten, right? People be like, don't judge me. Like, bro, I'm not judging you. You just laid your sins on the table. You literally said I've been cheating on my wife for three years. This is an observation. 
Like if I see a car speeding down the road and I say, hey, this is a neighborhood, stop speeding. And he said, don't judge me. I would be like, what are you talking about? I watched you. I saw you see me, see you. Like this is not called judging anymore. Judging is, is passing a judgment based on evidence. But I digress. That's a big one that atheists use. And yes, we're open paint. People love throwing away the lukewarm, throwing around the lukewarm one as well. Everything's lukewarm. Everyone's judging. It's the it's the <laughs> Christian Olympic keywords. It's like say these words and you could be a pastor in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, For exactly. with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Pay attention also. This is important for us. And I think this one's really important on TikTok. A lot of Christians pass judgment on other Christians and call people false teachers and heretics when they're not, right? There's a difference between being a false teacher and not having all the truth and to being a little misled on something. But when you treat someone like they're not saved because of it, that's a false judgment. And you better be ready to be held accountable for the same level of judgment you are holding them. I want you to hear that clearly, Christians, because that's important. Like for... People act like, bro, you know, you've been wrong too. So be careful how you treat those Christians that are new to the faith. Like think about who you were when you first came to Christ. Nobody, I don't care what nobody says. We got some old heads in here. Hey, Kenny, are you are you still the same Christian you were when you met Jesus? All of your beliefs exactly the same? I know mine aren't. I have evolved, I have grown in my faith and learned more about the Lord through his Holy Spirit guiding me. So if I wouldn't have wanted someone to come to baby Christian Mike and be like, uh, you're a heretic, you're going to hell. Likewise, I'm not about to go to a baby Christian and be like, oh, you think this? Oh, you heretic, you demon. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, people are crazy like that on this app, though. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen I've seen so many young Christians come under this, you know, and I listen to their lives and I'm like, OK, you, you're a little bit off there. That pencil needs a little bit of sharpening, but it's, it's definitely not not a case of. You you should stop proclaiming the good news of Christ, guys. Here's the thing: if you've if you've if you've believed the gospel and you've you're in the gospel and you're walking the gospel and you're talking the gospel, you you have an obligation to share that. And again, we use the we use the analogy of if you know someone is going to fall into a pit and die, you don't watch them go. Oh, there's that pit. He's heading straight for it. E, good luck. No, you you warn them. You stop them. By the way. Don't walk any further because there's a false there's a false floor here. You're going to fall through it. You're going to land. In, you know, it's like one of those Indiana Jones movies where the trap door opens up and you land on a pit of spikes. You don't not warn someone, whether you know the person or don't know the person. We warn people that this is what happens. Should you die without Christ? Should you die without the gospel? These are the consequences. You will be eternally separated from the God who you've rejected. So again, he will pursue until you continue to reject. Then he'll walk away. That's it. So I see some people uh, in the comment section discussing lukewarm, and it's at the point where so many people are discussing it that I will interrupt the Bible reading just to kind of uh, interject something real quick. Um, Jesus would never say he wishes you were cold if cold is a bad thing. Cold is not yeah. a negative thing in Revelation uh, 3. So when Jesus says, I wish you were cold or hot, we have to understand the context of what's being spoken about and who he's writing to. The church of Laodicea was very rich. The city of Laodicea was rich. However, Laodicea did not have any water springs. In order to get cold water, they had to travel north. In order to get hot water, they had to travel south. However, when these waters were would be uh, brought back, 
to Laodicea, if they were lazy and they took too long to bring the water back, the water would get lukewarm and therefore bacteria would come into it. And lukewarm water had no use. Hot water can be used for tea, for cleaning, for cooking. Cold water can be used for washing and, and washing clothes as well and also drinking. Cold water and hot water are useful to the kingdom. Lukewarm water was full of bacteria and actually would make the people of Laodicea vomit. So the people of Laodicea reading John's letter would have immediately understood what Jesus is saying. You're not useful to the kingdom. You're not serving the kingdom. Lukewarm is not one foot in, one foot out. The Bible doesn't re use different things for the same meaning. James describes this in James chapter three and chapter two and chapter four, actually, and chapter one. That's a double-minded Christian. He says, don't you yeah. know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Uh, you double-minded. You want one thing, but you do the other. So one foot in, one foot out is double-minded. Lukewarm yeah. is someone who is spiritually broke. They're not serving the kingdom. They're doing nothing for the kingdom. They think they're good just by knowing Jesus. And I promise you, you all know these Christians that think, oh, I don't got to do nothing. I ain't got to serve God. This ain't no workspace gospel. And they're like, bro, but don't you want to serve your king? Don't you want to proclaim the gospel? Those are lukewarm uh, uh, believers that believe that they're good just by saying, you know, like I'm in the church and I'm good and this, this and that. Um, again, though, nothing good about that. Uh, and there's nothing good about being a double-minded Christian either. But I just wanted to emphasize that a lot of people use this because we hear cold and hot and we think of English language and how we use cold. Because to us, hot is on fire for something. Yo, bro is on fire, bro. Oh, fire's good. Cold? That's bad. Because in English and how we use it. 50 years ago, if you walked out outside to one of those dudes in his little top hats and said, yo, bro, that's fire. They'd be like, where is it at? Where's the fire? English evolves that quick. I promise you, do not read the Bible that way. I love you all to death. Yeah. Don't read the Bible as if it was some dude named Tom that lived in Kentucky writing with modern English. That's that's not what's happening. Um, so, yeah. But we'll save that for a whole different episode. I didn't want to digress away yeah, from I mean, Matthew 7 too much, but... I just want yeah. you guys to be aware of what lukewarm really means. And a lot of us, when we use lukewarm, what you mean is double-minded, which again is also bad. So use that, but make sure that you're telling people what they really are. They got one foot in, one foot out. They're living double-minded, being tossed to and fro. Yeah. So verse three, <laughs> why do Back you see it. the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Again, he's telling you don't judge hypocritically. Don't pronounce judgment that you don't want tossed on you. So therefore, if you see a speck in your brother's eye, he stumbled a little bit, but you've been stumbling for a week. You got this log in your own eye. Jesus is calling you out on that. Like, who do you think you are? You, you're being self-righteous. You're not trying to help a brother, but you're, you're trying to just point out his negativity. But. All the people that think this verse is saying, don't judge. He's literally about to prove you wrong. He says, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in my own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So he's not telling you not to uh, uh, judge. He's telling you judge righteously. How can you do that? Get your walk right. Make sure that you're actually focused on the kingdom and make sure that you're trying to actually help people not look down on them, oops, not look down on them and pass judgment on them. So if JD, for example, was dealing with something, I can say to him, JD, I see that you've been slacking. You've been getting angry at people a lot on the live streams, bro. And, and I just wanted to let you know that you, you know, you can't do that. You're representing Christ out here. That's not me saying in public, like JD, you hypocrite with an angry spirit and blah, 
I'm trying to get the speck out of my brother's eye, not just point it out. I think that's a good way to look at it. Are you just trying to point it out? Are you trying to actually help him as well as walking along your own path? Well, this is again where we where we we can just just to add emphasis on that again is if you if you are judging from a place of pride, it's never gonna be. If you are judging from a place where where pride has taken the 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 precedence, you will never judge righteously. We have to judge from a place of complete humility, um, and 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 this is what a lot of people don't see. And this is by removing the log from my own eye. I am now at a place where I'm humble, and I can say, look. I can relate. I can relate to my brothers and sisters. I can see I have fallen in this fault myself. I too have been tripped up by this. I just need to move Mark back to where he belongs. I too have been tripped up by these things. And when we approach this, that oh, you figured it out. How to do it? No. (laughs) Why did he figure it out? People on Spotify are going to be so confused. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, people on Spotify are so so kind right now. But anyway, so again, we see this. Like, if if anyone and 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 the greatest way to put this metaphor down is is you cannot look at anyone and judge them like you have got no sin. Oh. This is what it comes down to. You cannot look at anyone and speak to them from a place of you have got no sin. I swear to you, I'm learning something tonight. I really think James wrote his letter based off the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to James again. How many times have I went to James tonight? James too. What does he say right here? What does he say right here? So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And then I, I, I see, I tell you all the time, these are for us just as much as for you. In Matthew 6, Jesus keeps pointing out the intent of the heart matters. Well, what if Matthew 7 is saying the same thing? Are you trying to correct him so people see your righteousness? Or are you trying to correct him because the intent is that you love him? Because if your intent is for your father in heaven, I don't think God's going to have a problem with you correcting anybody if your intent is for our father in heaven. For example, I know that it says first take the the log out of your own eye. And you might say, well, Mike, what if I never, let's pick a sin. Um. Porn. Let's say you never, you're, you're just, you've been struggling with porn for seven years and then you meet someone who's dealing with porn. You might say, well, Mike, I can't, I haven't got it out of my eye yet. So can I tell him that he needs to stop it by all means, but you wouldn't do so in a judgmental way because you're also battling with it. That just exactly. because you're still battling with sin doesn't mean you can't say sin is wrong because if that was the case, then I got bad news. None of us can tell each other to stop sinning. <laughs> I mean, but we obviously love our father in heaven. So even if you're dealing with that sin, it's about the intent. Are you doing it to be like, you deal with that sin and I don't? <laughs> no, brother. Hey, we all deal with sin. I deal with sin. And that's why, look, I'm going to say this properly because you know I'm on TikTok. This is why I don't like the way that a lot of Christians handle the uh, alphabet company. Because they treat it like it's a different sin. It's a more important sin. And it's a worse sin than anything you've done. Are they sinners? Yes. So are you. We all need Jesus. The goal is to have them admit that they need Jesus. If they do that, then shut up about their sin and let's get them to Jesus because you're not going to convince them to stop sinning. None of us can stop sinning on our own. Just like you never stop sinning on your own, they won't. They need Jesus just as much as you. But a lot of Christians do Matthew 7 against the uh, against the alphabet company. I, I'm saying mm-hmm. alphabet company because algorithms, the minute I even say those letters, it freaks out over there. 
But if you really want to see a proper use of Matthew 7, how Christians treat that group of people is Matthew 7. Because a lot of people look at them like they got this giant log in their eye, but it's you who also has a giant log in your eye. And you see, this is where the problem, this is where the problem comes in, where people put preachers on pedestals because they look at this dude on the uh, behind the pulpit like he's sinless. They start looking at him like he's sinless, like he's achieved these things. He's wearing a good suit. He's speaking eloquently and all of these things. And this is what we see in the word of faith movement and why they can fill up stadiums, because people are now worshiping and adorning them for this They've figured it out. They've cracked the code. But the reality is, is if those preachers or pastors are being honest, they will stand and say, I'm battling with the same things you're battling with. I'm going through the motions the same way you are going through the motions. There's absolutely no exclusion for the person preaching. We see this abundantly from all the apostles who all battled various things throughout their ministry, throughout their time ministering the gospel of Christ. There was, they all went through it. They all went through the motions. Peter got rebuked by Paul. Later, Peter warns people not to twist Paul. James rebukes those who claim they know Christ, but do not present anything. Going to the poor and saying, no worries, I'll pray for you. But you've got a fridge full of food, bro. Like, what is, what is prayer going to do? Feed the guy. You know, and this is, this is what he's saying. <clears throat> so ultimately, we again... And this is the purpose of what Mark and I hope to do very soon is by reading the whole Bible and, and unpacking the whole Bible is that we look at everything, the entire canon of Scripture in its context, the entire canon of Scripture in its context, not just cherry picking what suits the narrative. I cannot wait. I mean, other than uh, the book of Numbers and Leviticus, I cannot wait. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wanted to switch over to my main version of the Bible here because this is how I can do cross references. Because this next one, if you notice, it, it's a quote now, right? So Jesus, it, it changes everything up. And if you don't recognize that uh, that this is him quoting Old Testament or referencing back to the Old Testament, then you would think that this goes hand in hand with what he's saying. I mean, it does, but it's for a purpose. So he says, do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, if we go to Proverbs 9, he's basically quoting this. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incures injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So why is that important right now? Why is that very important to what he's saying? Because right before this, he talks about how you how we're doing this thing where we correct the brother and say, brother, you're 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 going down a path. He's telling you that if this person is a brother in Christ, then yes, correct him. If he's a scoffer, if he's a scoffer, correction does nothing for a scoffer. He hates God. He hates you. He doesn't care about your correction. We respond to that with love, but we don't need to sit there and be like, hey, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. And the truth is that 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 group we just talked about, they have become scoffers. They have. That is true. Going to those scoffers 
and, and trying to tell them, what did I just say? You can't convince them to stop sinning because they don't even respect what we believe or anything like that. We need to bring them Christ. We need to bring them the Holy Spirit so that they understand who Jesus is. Then we can work on correction. Then we can let the Holy Spirit guide them. Verse seven, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. And there's question, I mean, quotations again. And we see that this is coming from, you can't actually see what I pull up. Um, oh, that's like 40 different things it's, it's comparing to. But I'm not even going to try and pull up all those verses. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if, his, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? This is actually one. Is JD back yet? Oh, JD walked away. I was hoping he'd come back because I was going to talk to him about something here. Um, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to you? So uh, let's go back to the beginning of this, waiting for JD to come back because he's uh, he's uh, definitely doing his own thing over there, JD. Sorry, guys. I apologize. I really wanted him right here, but let's focus on it. This is going hand in hand with what we just saw a minute ago. You seek first the kingdom of God with all his righteousness. You focus on him and it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. And he goes into talking about how a father treats his son. And we know that, oh, he went to get coffee. Good point. And we know that in John chapter one, it says that through Christ, we have the uh, right to be called children of God. In Romans chapter eight, it says that you receive the spirit of adoption to which you cry out, Abba, Father. In Galatians three, it says that through Christ Jesus, we have become children of God. Jesus is emphasizing this, that he is your father in heaven. The relationship that you will have with him will be different than anyone else has with him. I mean, imagine this for a second. Imagine there's a king, right? Instead of a Instead of a president. It's one thing to work for the king and to serve the king, but it's one thing, it's a whole other thing to be his child, to have an inheritance, to have the king as your father. Don't forget that as you walk in this life, because a lot of times we, I see Christians sometimes, even though we call him father, we still look at him like this far off king, this far off ruler, this far off uh, thing that is there, but we don't remember that. He is a part of us, that he is with us, that he knows us by name, that we know him, that he is our father. And that is the constant message in scripture, that he is the father. Now, I mean, I know that a lot of people like to focus on Jesus, and, and I do too, but it makes me upset when people forget to mention the father. And here's why. I made a video about this on TikTok once as I kill time waiting for JD to get his mocha latte, espresso, uh, vente, whatever. Um... Jesus is king, the name above all names. But while Jesus was here, he never let us forget about the father. The beautiful thing about the triune nature of God is that you cannot think of God without thinking of the father, son, and spirit. They never are apart from each other. The father glorifies the son. The son glorifies the father. The Holy Spirit glorifies the son who then glorifies the father. It is a perfect unity. They are co-equal, co-eternal, one being. One God and a lot of people, a lot of people only talk about Jesus. And again, I try to say this very, very <laughs> specifically 
to where people understand I'm not downplaying the glory of, of Jesus, right? I'm not, not downplaying that, but we cannot forget the father. Like that, that is the thing. So I'm currently reading an amazing book. I talked to JD about this off air uh, called The Forgotten Trinity. And man, I might just read this on TikTok live one day because man, it's just, it's just chef's kiss as it talks about how important it is to understand God. And I'm just going to take some stuff from the beginning of it real quick and, and throw this out there. But in Colossians, it talks about how Paul prays for people to have the knowledge of God. That's the richness of heaven to know who God is. Jesus says to worship in truth. What is what does worshiping in truth mean? That means you worship in the truth that God has revealed to himself. We can't, you and I can't figure out who God is. We have existed on this planet for thousands of years and we still don't really know what the sun is except for like we can talk about like what its chemical makeup is and everything. But don't let anybody lie to you. We don't fully understand stars. I don't care what anybody says because we can't. But we look at it every day. We can't grasp it. It's too big for us. Likewise, God is too big for you to fully grasp. So what can we know about God is what he has revealed about himself. And he reveals himself in the triune nature. He reveals himself through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus by the power of the Father. That is the, that is the Trinity. So Amen. I'm not sitting here saying that you have to comprehend it. What I'm saying is he's given you who he is in the word. We take the word and we live it and we believe it and we don't pick Amen. it apart. And the problem is people want to take God and put him in a box so we can better understand him. But there's no yeah. box that can fit God in it. So don't exactly. do that. Trust Amen. who he is. Trust what the word says. And when you do that, you will celebrate him in truth. And it's so important to understand that because Jesus glorifies the father so much that I don't know how people abandon the father. I really don't know how people just go straight up Jesus only. They forget the Holy Spirit. They forget the father. And they're just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. I just I want to add on that. Here's another one. Here's another one. This one is called, uh, I don't know if it's going to blur, uh, Simply Trinity. Simply Trinity by Matthew Barrett. If you've, if you've gone and read The Forgotten Trinity by James White and then Simply Trinity by Matthew Barrett, because, again, we've just gone through the Lord's Prayer. What does he say? Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus doesn't say me, me who art here. Me who art here and there. He says, our father who art. What does he also say? Anyone who asks the father in my name. Ask the father in my name. No one comes to the father but through me. The the And people get like, they're like, but it's not a salvific issue. It 100% is. It 1000% is. If you reject the triune God of scripture, you do not have the triune God of scripture. And this yeah. is why, and I was saying, uh, to to Mike before we got on air, the the problem with modalism is exactly that they start focusing, they start looking as at Jesus like this buddy, like they're gonna walk into heaven and give him a crisp high five, and there's gonna be no reverence, like he's their buddy old pal. That's not what's gonna happen, okay? Each and every single one of us, whether you are saved or unsaved, are gonna be in absolute awe of God absolute awe of God. When we walk into the presence of God, we will feel his abundant love. And even that abundant love will make us fall flat in our faces. I'm about to say, I'm, because... I'm not walking. I'm crawling, bro. I'm on my knees before I even get to the game. He in, he in there? He in there. All right, let me get on my, let me go ahead and just get on my knees now. I'm crawling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and someone, one, someone once asked, you know, I was at a conference once and, and one of the speakers said, he said this, he said something so profound. He said, 
he said his biggest question, his biggest question to the to the atheist to say, why would a loving God, why would a loving God send us to hell? Why would a loving God this? Why would a loving God that? And he simply posed the question, how can you expect to spend an eternity with a God you have no time for now? Mm. How can you expect mm. to live in the presence of an eternal triune God you have absolutely no time for now? And, and, and that's, that's the reality of if you do not want to be with God, he's not going to force you to. He's not going to force you to. And again, this is the, the power of God by giving us free agency, by, by saying, I'm not going to be your puppeteer. I've created you. I've given you life. I've breathed life into you from the dust I have formed you. Now you choose. Now you choose to either bask in my glory or reject that for all eternity. That is that is what it comes down to. So this is the question we lay out to people when they're like, but there is no God. If there is no God, life is completely absurd. Everything we are doing is pointless. Waking up and even looking after your kids is pointless. This would be like a, a, a mother giving birth to her newborn little girl, lifting her up saying, oh, that's cute. Good luck. Go fend for yourself. Like, yeah. Like, off you go. As much no. as I despise the writings of Frederick Nietzsche, he is the most respectable atheist I can imagine because he at least understood this principle. He at least understood that since he believes there's no God, nothing matters. There should You shouldn't feed homeless. You shouldn't be compassionate. You shouldn't show piety. What are you doing? None of that is important. Like It's crazy that the same people that argue against God will still love people. Like that's that's counter to what your entire uh, uh, belief is, and I think it's also hilarious when people talk about they get angry at God for in you know punishing people. But some of these same atheists that are naturalists and they believe in like Mother Earth, they're perfectly fine with tornadoes and like well, that's what we get for hurting Earth. Earth can kill humans. That's perfectly fine for what we've done to Earth, but yet God can't do it for what we've done to God. It's it's hypocritical sometimes. Like it's a it, yeah. God made yeah. you from dirt, like JD just said. What do you mean? He, if you reject him your whole life, I'm not, don't even, I digress because you know me, I'll go down a path on them. <laughs> I mean, it's a rabbit hole that if we go down it, we might not come back out of it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just so sad. It's, 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 it, that's the, that's the reality. I feel pity. Now, when I see the same questions being regurgitated, and here's what happens is they hear someone else say something clever and they, ooh, that's a good argument that there is no God, but no argument. There is no argument that is a good argument to say there is no God. That's the reality. There is no good argument. In, uh, so now verse 11 real quick. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father is, who is in heaven give good, good things to those who ask him? I love how Jesus never pulls back on the punches though. If you then who are evil. Straight up tells us, like, you're evil. If you notice, he calls us dead. If you look through the life of Jesus, even the way he refers to us before we're in him, dead, uh, uh, evil, uh, whitewashed tombs. Like, I know he, a lot of these times he's talking to Pharisees, but not all the time does he do that. But even right here, he's saying even you who are evil can do good things. How much more can my father who's not evil do those good things? Um, and then the golden rule comes up. 
So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And remember, he started in the beginning talking about, um, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And then we talked about what that, what the law and the prophets mean. It means scripture. And then he talks about all this intent and he talks about what the purpose of all these laws were. It's about what, what's in your heart. And, and this isn't the only place he does this. He does it in John five. He does it in Mark seven. He talks to these people like you've misunderstood everything about the scriptures. It's always been about guiding your heart to a heart position, but you have had hearts of stone. And then he says, this is the law and the prophets. And then he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it are many. For the narrow gate and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And it's that's a that's a powerful verse that you sometimes need to ask yourself, am I on that narrow path? Right? We always we always ask ourselves that. I hope you ask that yourself that, but pay attention. The gate is wide and the way is easy for that. Uh, uh, he says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. If you notice that the path you're on, people aren't falling away. If you notice that the path you're on is a bunch of people and that it's easy, then you might be on the wrong path because Jesus don't lie. Like, I don't know if y'all know this, but Jesus don't be doing what ifs. Like, hey, this might be true. This might not be true. <laughs> like, who knows what your life's going to be? No, the gate is narrow and the way is hard. So when Christians say to me, I, I, I lose family. Yes, I know that. I, I, I lost friends. Yes, I know that. I lost my job. Yes, I know that. If none of that's happening, I'm just being honest with you. You've been a Christian for five, 10 years, and you have suffered no loss, no persecution, no oppression. And again, we live in the U.S., so maybe you're not getting persecuted at a certain extent that some people do. But if you haven't faced anything, you should maybe reflect and ask yourself, which path am I on? Yeah. And then, and, and that's, you got to come again. And, and this is where we realize how, how critical it is just to go back to what we just said on the triune God, by not having that, you cannot be on a narrow path. You cannot enter in by the narrow gates. You cannot because you don't have the right Jesus. And this is why people are like, well, you've got to respect Mormons. No, no, we don't. You've got to respect Jehovah's Witness. No, we don't. We we don't because they're on the they're on the they're they're on a path that leads to destruction. I'm not gonna watch people crash and burn just because of the it, all in the name of tolerance, you know. And 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 we've said this before. Notice the 10. He says, these are the fruits. This is the fruit of the spirit. He goes on love, patience, joy, long suffering, meekness. Notice that that tolerance isn't one of those fruits. Actually, tolerance is not a trait of the Christian. It's, it's not something you ought to have or be like, "Ooh, I'm a tolerant Christian. No, it, Jesus wasn't tolerant. Jesus wasn't tolerant. He told the truth. He spoke the truth in everything. The yeah. difference was he did it in love. He did Amen. it in love. And he did it with righteous judgment. Like I'm warning you, I'm at, I'm 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 warning you that the way you are doing things now will not make you see heaven. This is it. And when we go to a Mormon and we say, "Well, you've got the wrong Christ, bro. You've got a false Christ because Jesus is God incarnate, not the brother of Satan." That's not how it works. They've got the false Christ. It's not. It's a plastic Jesus. It's going to do nothing for them. 
So I see I see one of the people commenting saying that they live in the South and they're around all Christians, so they haven't been persecuted. Uh, yeah. So if you live around a bunch of Christians and you only are and you stay in that tight circle, you might not have felt that yet. But the thing is, yet is the word. Uh, I always tell people, if you haven't felt any type of oppression or persecution on behalf of Christ, it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, because you might not have, like you said, you live around all Christians and you probably stay around those Christians. And when I say persecution, I'm not talking about you getting beat. I'm not about the way people treat you differently, uh, the way that you're, you might lose family, friends, etc. But um, about what JD said real quick, because I know some people are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Are you saying we have to, you know, comprehend the Trinity to be saved? And that's not what we're saying. We're not saying you have to comprehend it. We're saying there's a difference between ignorance and rejection, right? So what's one of the, what's, what's, what's the, what, I forget which commandment it is exactly. Is it the second? Um, do not make yourself an image and, and worship it basically, right? Do not make yourself an image. Well, can I tell you guys a little secret here that that image doesn't always have to be physical. You can make an image of God in your head. And if you reject the truths of scripture and you build your own version of Jesus, we see this with Mormonism. That they are breaking that commandment because they have created their own version of God and they worship it. Modalists create their own version of God. They take the truth of scripture, reject it and say, no, this is who God is. Here's even though God said this. No, this is who God is. And it's creating a false image of who God is. Doesn't matter if he still has the same name. I can create a false image of JD right now. JD is five foot three Asian and he's also uh, got pink hair. That's a false image of who JD is. That's not who JD is. And that was just the physical part. I could talk about him. He's always angry and he's rude and he, and he drops F-bombs every five minutes. That's a false image of who he is. Just because I call on the name J JD does not mean that I'm actually speaking of JD. Likewise, yeah. it's not just about saying the name Jesus. Who is he? Who is he? Because that gate is narrow. And I and I love that again. This sermon is so perfect because he goes from warning you about uh, uh, the narrow path, and then goes right into beware, whoop, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, looking like your brothers, looking like people that you should recognize, because we're sheep. I don't know if you guys know this. Jesus refers to us as sheep and he's the good shepherd. So when he says false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward are ravenous wolves. Anybody can look like a Christian. Anyway, it's not, especially in our society when you could just literally call yourself a Christian and everybody's like, oh, look, they're a Christian. That's a Christian right there because now it's all self-proclaimed title. And he says, you will recognize them by their fruits are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bad, bear bad fruit, nor can a uh, diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. JD also just mentioned what the fruit of the spirit are and, uh, those how that's how you recognize someone. I say it all the time. You recognize them by their fruit. It's not about does that person sin. Like let me just emphasize that. Yeah, People think yeah. that know, know them by their fruits means if you see them sinning, then they're not Christian. No, yeah. knowing them by their fruits is seeing how they respond to their own failures, respond to their that's shortcomings. Accountability. I mean, I made a video about this just the other day on TikTok. Someone asked me 
about long suffering and sin. How do we how do we measure these two up together? And and here is the reality: you, if you are accountable, if you can stand up and say, "I was wrong," "I'm sorry," "I was," "I've I've acknowledged my faults," and you do it in humility, this is a fruit. That is meekness. That is being meek. That is humility. Long suffering is 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 a word that is broken down in the Greek to to patience, endurance, running, um, you know, not quick to avenge someone who's wronged you. That's this, this is, this is it. It's, it's not, it's slow to anger. Long suffering in its, in its truest sense is being very slow to anger. So we know because ultimately, especially now with Mike, he's, 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 his platform is blown up. Um, God is moving. So ultimately now what's going to happen is he's going to get a lot more people telling him he's false. Here's the thing. we got to stay the course. This is what Paul says to us in Acts 20. He's going to run his course. He's going to stay his course so that ultimately he might run and finish his course with joy, which is to preach the gospel of the grace of God to every single person that he that he encounters. This doesn't come without you're a false, you're a heretic. That's wrong. Is he going to say something wrong? Absolutely. Has he admitted he does? Absolutely. This is this is where we step out and say we're still finite. We're giving it because this is the love of Christ that's within me. This is what I'm sharing with you. And ultimately, you can and have an obligation to go back to the scriptures and test everything I'm saying. So if you the moment you're going to put me on a pedestal and then two months down the line say you were wrong about this and I listened to you, that's on you. It's not on Mike. That's on you. That's that's 100 percent on you. And, and, and this is this is it. If, if anybody's got something to say to either me or Mike, feel free. Message. Yeah. Yeah. Message me. Say, I didn't agree with what you said. That's what it comes down to. And then <laughs> here comes the, the favorite. Yo, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just looking at Yuri's comment. Is the fruit our growth or the souls we minister to and come to Christ? So Fruit will be evident. Fruit will be evident in the believer, regardless. As you're going through the sanctification process, you will meekness will your meekness will become better. Your long suffering will become longer. Your love will abound even more. It's it's not a question of whether you're a new believer or an old believer. You're going to have better fruits or weaker fruits. There are some people that have been Christians for 20 years and they they haven't grown at all, at all. They still on milk. And, and you look at them and you're like, you should be way further in your walk with God than you are. But ultimately, there are young Christians who have been studying the word. They, they came to God six months ago and they are abounding in those fruits because what? where is their focus? We can go yeah. right back to Matthew 6. Where is your focus? Is it on the kingdom of God and his righteousness or is it on everything else? This is, this is what it comes down to. Where your focus is, these fruits will manifest. If your focus is on Christ and the ministry of Christ, you will see these fruits be evident in your life. There's a lot of people that say offensive stuff to me and even to my brother. There's been times I've wanted to defend Mark. And I mean, like, I'm going to take this person and I'm going to say something. And then I'm like, immediately the Holy, the Holy Spirit is like, ah, ah, ah. no, you're not. You're going to shut up and you're going to pray for that person. And then I'm like, that's that's correct. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. So, for I want to. I want to add something really quick though, because this is what some people get scared. 
Like, well, wait a minute. If I don't have any fruits, then you're not saved by fruits. So what is the negative of being so JD mentioned there's some Christians that don't embrace their humility and let the Lord work through them. They grieve the spirit and they don't bear a lot of fruit. So you might be thinking, well, what, what if that's me and, and whatnot? What is the negatives of this? It's not lose salvation. I'll tell you the negatives. First Corinthians three, you're building on top of the foundation of Christ with wood and straw. You're going to suffer some loss. Yes, that there is punishments. There is a uh, discipline. The Hebrews uh, 13, I think it is. Maybe I'm wrong on the exact chapter says that the Lord chastises his children and disciplines those that he loves. So there is that. Number two, number two, this is an important one. You can affect your fellowship because we're told to watch each other's fruits for a reason that helps me with my fellowship, right? I don't want to fellowship with, with someone who has dirty, nasty fruits. That's the person I'm going to try and bring the gospel to, right? You're, you're sending me the wrong messages. So if you don't bear fruits, there is a chance that your walk might be a little bit more lonely because you're pushing away your brothers and sisters and not sending them that signal that I'm on your team, right? Like think about it this way. Your fruits are your Jersey. Like, Hey, look at my, I'm on your team. And if you choose to be the lazy Christian who doesn't want to exemplify the Lord, no one's sitting there saying, hey, you're not going to be saved. No one's saying that. We're saying, though, is that we might confuse you for the enemy. Just being honest, because Jesus said what? He talked about wolves in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruits. I don't know about you. I don't want JD to confuse me for his enemy. I don't want any of you to think that Mike is my enemy. When you see me, I want you to feel comfortable and safe because we're brother and sister or brother and brother or whatever it may be. That's the important of it. So why is it important that we show our faith? Because we should want our brothers and sisters to recognize us so we can stay unified. But when we do this lone wolf thing, like I ain't got to do nothing. I ain't got to prove nothing. You end up being that Christian locked in a closet by yourself. And then you end up down another path you shouldn't be on and it can change everything. And that's why it's so important to make sure that we're bearing that fruit. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, ironically, J.D., Matthew 7, 21, where everybody thinks this is talking about believers as if Jesus did not just talk about false prophet. Yeah. Let's say it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On Keyword. that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not? prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. I'm gonna let you cover this right now, JD. I need to stand up. I mean, back and kill it. You, you, so yeah, you get it. Right. So, so yeah, we have it. He's, he's mentioned all three prophesy, prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, wonderful works in your name. There's the three. When we talk about salvation, when we talk about belief in Christ Jesus, and we see these on TikTok, sow your seed and I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. Sow your seed and I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. Oh, type your name, type your name. Oh, I see, I see Justin, Justin, the Lord is showing me that, that you need to get more sleep. Uh, uh, Sherry, what's up? Uh, the Lord is showing me. Uh, I've got a word for you, Sherry. The Lord is showing. Come on. This is absolutely not from God, guys. This is not from God. So what if you didn't show up on that love and type in your name? And then this casting of demons thing, we see it. Look at these guys. They all started off well. And I, and I mean this with the greatest of love. I'm praying for the Vlads and the and the Isaiah Saldivars that are out there that, that, that have made their ministry about casting out demons. 
and 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 they keep having to add to the gospel because they're running out of things to say and and they keep making up new things and adding new things to the scriptures because this is what's going to sustain their ministry they've got to stay with the times they've got to keep casting out demons in different ways so now they do mass deliverance we're going to make a movie and everyone in the theater is going to be delivered of the demons that they have mass deliverance this is a new this is a new thing now there's mass deliverance now you can simply look look at the screen and put your hand up to the screen if you've got a demon right now I'm going to cast that demon right out. These people do Receive not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then works. There we go. They destroys those that, that still rely on their own righteousness, on their own works. I have done mighty works in your name. And I will, I will say, depart from me. Declare to them, I never knew you. And this is, this is the thing. When we go through Paul's epistles, we see the Lord knows those who are his. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, so this is why the true believer looks at this and we sit and we go, this is fruit loops, man. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like how are these people listening to this when none of this is in scripture? Like none of it, none of what they're doing here is in scripture. We don't see the apostle Peter walking up to people in Acts going, you, Fire, fire, down. None of this happens in the book of Acts. Nothing. This is not a trait of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is self-controlled. Self-controlled. This yeah. is not self-controlled. Yeah, people don't fall down and bang their heads. But notice again, this is an accumulation uh, where we just saw Jesus talking about people that pray for their for what people see them and this, what the people see them. And he comes here saying, that not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, went into the kingdom of heaven. He talks about, again, what I did. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do this? Did we not do this? Because that's not why we go to the kingdom of heaven. That's not why we go to heaven. We go there because Christ's righteousness, because we believed in him. The will of my father is to believe in him who he sent, right? That is the will of the father to put your trust in Jesus. The will of the father is for you to put your trust in Jesus, not to earn your own way. Now pay attention here. Some people say, well, Mike, Mike, this has to be believers. They're casting out demons and doing mighty works. Nowhere does this say that they actually are doing that. Jesus said, many will say to me that didn't we do this? Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but there are people today that think they're doing works in Jesus name, but they're not people. JD just gave you an example. People that are online blowing at the camera, like receive the Holy Spirit. People that are casting out demons and these people are like, oh, I, I, I felt something. They think they're doing these mighty works. They're not doing them. And even if they were, that doesn't mean that they're a believer. And I brought up another scripture to show you. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder that, that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord. And that's Yahweh right there for Yahweh. Your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So what does that tell you right there? Last I checked, God's never changing, right, JD? Just let me double check. God never changes. So God of all eternity at one point said, I'll let these false prophets do some wonders. I'll let them do it. I'll let their words come past. 
Because I want to see, do you love me? Or are you following signs? Are you following wonders? Jesus Man. warns us of the same thing in his gospels, that there will be false signs and false wonders. This idea like, oh, if they cast a demon out, it must be a real believer. How do you know God ain't testing you to see if you're going to follow the false sign or if you're going to stay true to the word of God? Amen. Ba, 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 ba. I don't have the sound effect button. So ba, 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 better. Ba. <laughs> better than the sound effect all day long. Do it again. Do it one more time. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Yeah, JD's is better. Everybody put a thumbs up if JD's is better. Um, but we've went through this verse a million times. But like he said, uh, uh, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. Not I knew you once and now I don't know you anymore. I never knew you. And then hear this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock is Jesus. Don't know if you know this. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on that rock, right? All these things can come, these false teachers, these troubles, these tribulations, these persecutions. But if you're on the rock, JD, once saved, always saved. I love when we when we see things that we don't yeah, always see. I was about to say, look at that. Look at that. Nothing is going to be on the rock. Can we get another? Can we get another air horn? Wrong one, but it worked. <laughs> but if you Love built it. yourself on that rock, nothing can destroy you. Ironically, 1 Corinthians 3 says what? That once the foundation of Christ is laid, no one can remove it. And then he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and, and great was the fall of it. So if you don't actually put your trust in Christ and you're a Christian who says these things, this is almost like the parable of the sower. This is like yeah. the one that built, uh, that his root doesn't take. It falls away yeah. at persecution. If you're not built on the rock and you get persecuted for being a Christian, you'll break away because you weren't actually built on the rock. And when Je yeah. Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not Don't as their scribes. So then he the en it ends by pointing out that the way Jesus was, just in case you didn't notice it in the way that Ma Matthew wrote it, Matthew wanted to make you very understanding of this. He said this with authority, not like God gave it to him, but that he was speaking from his authority. God in the flesh. God Look at that. We flesh. finished We finished the Sermon on the Mount with 15 minutes to go. Oh, man. 10 minutes I just want to touch on this, man. Uh, Rainer said, I've seen these videos where people get delivered from these demons um, and they fall on the floor. I think some of it is true, but I also don't think it's uh, – I think it's to put on a show, unfortunately. So Kenny brought up something very important in Acts 17, and, and I just want to put emphasis on this. Every single person – every single person – no, it's okay. Every single person in the Bible – that was delivered from a demon did not believe in Christ yet. Once they, we see the same with Mary Magdalene. She had seven spirits. Once they were cast out, that was it. She was following Christ. There's no scripture that says six months later, she had to go back and get some more deliverance. Cause now I, I heard Isaiah Saldivar say on one of his videos the other day, you should go for it like a checkup. Like you go to the doctor, like every six months you should go for deliverance. Like, 
every six months just in case you watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and you invited some evil spirit like a, a turtle spirit in and and like just for the Spotify listeners, I think it's important for you to know that I'm face palming right now. <laughs> I mean, so so this is what they're saying, guys, and they will equate anything. Don't wear red t-shirts, demon. Don't 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 let your children watch Coco Melon, demon. Uh, don't smile with your one eye, wink to the left, and a grin to the right, demon. Like it's like everything is a demon. Like, and here's the problem. And I've said this before in my lives, people either, what we've seen is, is one extreme and the next extreme. People either give the devil no credit or too much credit. Like, again, he's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. The devil cannot be everywhere all at once. This is the whole reason why he cannot be bound. Like, we are bound the devil. Like, do, 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 do what? You've bound him? Have you, like sent the memo upstairs because according to my bible he will be bound for a thousand years he will Amen. be bound he's not currently bound this is this is this is why guys we have to we have to have to have to not lean and on our own understanding a big problem with this whole movement of the demonization movement right is that it takes away a lot of accountability because it's like, oh, I have a porn addiction, that's a demon. I have a lying problem, that's a demon. I have alcoholism, that's a demon. And instead of confronting my issues that I'm dealing with on that, that's bringing me back to these sins, they go for a deliverance. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't know if you guys are aware of this thing called the placebo effect. Sometimes people go in there and their lives change. That is 100% true. But that also happens in Islam. It happens in Judaism. It happens in Hinduism. Uh, placebo effects work. That even outside of religion, if you ever look at human studies, placebo effects work. You convince someone that they have done something to change them. I mean, have you ever not have you ever heard about hypnotizing to stop smoking? Same essence. It's a charlatan maneuver that bases off of a placebo effect where you believe because the mind is powerful. That, that, that is true. The mind is powerful. The tongue is powerful. The Bible tells you that. So Yes, they're they're utilizing old charlatan tricks. In fact, it's if you look into charlatan history and what charlatans have done throughout history, you see the same playbook coming out in a lot of these deliverance ministries. There's a reason why for 1800 years it was exorcisms and then deliverance ministries show up and they're completely different than the exorcisms that we've seen throughout all of human history. So let's go read the story of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yes. He he got baptized and he was he was casting out demons and he was doing all these things before the apostles arrived. He was performing all these wonders and people and were amazed by these wonders. Yeah, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy yeah. Spirit did the contrary. It, it killed him. I mean, this is this is <laughs> this is this is what we what we see from. And again, the 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 time we are living in, we have got the closed canon of scripture. We, we are not left in the dark. People don't realize how blessed we are to have these accounts, to have all the writings. Some people like the early Christians were, were relying on witness accounts. They were relying on what did he say? What was the message? What do we do in this instance? And this is the reason why Paul wrote these letters. It's like, I've heard these questions. I've seen you guys arguing and fighting over this. This is the truth. There it is. Bam. Like Amen. you don't have to search anywhere further than your Bible. That's the reality.
the show superstore there's a guy on there uh it's a corny stupid show but there's this one guy that does his own air horn he's real corny but he'll be randomly just like um but our guys we made it we made it to the end of the sermon on the mount we made it to the end of the episode just let you know throw some i like to throw some teasers out here at the end i was on the phone today or yesterday with um voice of reason I'm not saying anything's coming from it. I just want to tease y'all a little bit. Just a little, throw a little a little fish hook out there and, and start reeling. So I was on the phone with Voice of Reason, um, and we talked, and, and we discussed some things, and, 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 and that's something that is happening in the background. Uh, on top of that, J.D. and myself talked about uh, this Bible thing. Remember I told you August is when we're going to start, so we're now in the – we're in August. What is it, the second? Um, so we started discussing it. We just got to get a good time locked down and, and start doing it. Now, as far as how we're going to release it, I might wait till we've got a couple weeks under our belt. So that way yeah. I can kind of let these rail out. Uh, cause I want to do this in a certain way. Um, honestly to keep it as simple, it might look just like this, just pre-recorded. Cause that way I don't have to edit and do all that extra stuff. And that, that can slow me down, record it, upload it, bing, bang, boom. Uh, but we're working on that and a lot of things for this. Man, I'm telling you, the ministry is moving incredibly. It is growing and we have goals and plans to do as much as we can to help people say, I have confidence in my salvation. I trust Jesus. I trust him. So that's our goal. We, we That's all we want. We don't want money. We're not doing this to get famous or rich or anything like that. Our goal is that one person says, thanks to you guys, uh, the Lord worked through you to help build my confidence. And seeing that we've already been told that, we honestly could never impact anybody ever again and our mission is accomplished. Remember yeah. I told you yesterday, don't, I mean, earlier, don't stress or be anxious. Jesus got it all. That's how we are right now. We ain't got nothing to worry yeah. about. We did our yeah. job. We're doing it every day. We, we trust him. All will always work out. So with that being said, JD, do you have anything for them? Guys, I love you all. Remember, check out all the links. Go check out the merch. Go see what it's all about. If you have any questions, remember after this, if you haven't, there's 74 people watching now. It was well over 80 earlier. Please like the video. Um, uh, if if you haven't done that yet, go like the video. Um, this obviously pushes it out to more people. So like the video, share the video. Um, and ultimately check out all the links, see how you can get involved, see how you can support if you want to. Again, if God's put it on your heart, if you're looking to support, then there are links available where you can support. I'm going to the hospital again today um, to go preach to people at the hospital. So pray for me and everybody that asked for prayer in the in the chat. I hope you guys took notes and you are praying um, for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Continue to pray for Mark. Continue to pray for me and continue to pray that we continue to push on um, and stay, stay, stay on the path which we have been put on and that God gives us the strength and the humility to always walk and talk in love and in grace. So God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. I'll see you on Monday. <clears throat> Yes, sir. We will let you know on TikTok what, what's on the schedule for Monday's episode. Uh, but until then, guys, God bless you. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do, uh, watching, supporting us. As always, I'll be live on TikTok just for a little bit after this uh, for any questions about today's podcast or just hanging out like always. Uh, but until next week, as always, go in peace. Okay.